Chapter Three of the Mistress of Shenston by Florence Barclay. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Three, what Peter knew. Isn't my good Grotely a curious-looking person? Said Lady Ingleby as the door closed behind the butler. I call him the Gryphon because he looks perpetually astonished. His eyebrows are like black horseshoes, and they mount higher and higher up his forehead as one sentence proceeds but he is very faithful and knows his work and michael approves him do you like this portrait of michael garth dalmain stayed here a few months before he lost his sight poor boy and painted us both i believe mine was practically his last portrait it hangs in the dining-room the doctor moved his chair opposite the fireplace so that he could sit facing the picture over the mantelpiece yet turn readily toward lady ingleby on his left on his right little peter with an occasional sobbing sigh slept heavily in his absent master's chair the log-fire burned brightly the electric light from behind amber glass sent a golden glow as of sunshine through the room the dank damp drip of autumn had no place in this warm luxury the curtains were closely drawn and that which is not seen can be forgotten the doctor glanced at the clock the minute-hand pointed to the quarter before six he lifted his eyes to the picture i hardly know lord ingleby sufficiently well to give an opinion but i should say it is an excellent likeness possessing to a large degree the peculiar quality of all dalmain's portraits the more you look at them the more you see in them they are such extraordinary character studies with your increased knowledge of the person grows your appreciation of the cleverness of the portrait Yes said lady ingleby leaning forward to look intently up at the picture it often startles me as i come into the room because i see a fresh expression on the face just according to my own mood or what i happen to have been doing and i realize michael's mind on the subject more readily from the portrait than from my own knowledge of him garth dalmain was a genius now tell me said the doctor gently why did you leave town your many friends your interests there in order to bury yourself down here during this dismal autumn weather surely the strain of waiting for news would have been less within such easy reach of the war office and of the evening papers lady ingleby laughed rather mirthlessly i came away sir derrick partly to escape from my dear mamma and as you do not know dear mamma it is almost impossible for you to understand how essential it was to escape when michael is away i am defenceless mamma swoops down takes up her abode in my house reduces my household according to their sex and temperament to rage hysterics or despair tells unpalatable home truths to my friends so that all save the duchess flee discomforted then mamma proceeds to divide the spoil in other words she lies in wait for my telegrams and opens them herself saying that if they contain good news a dutiful daughter should delight in at once sharing it with her whereas if they contain bad news which heaven forbid and surely with mamma snorting skyward heaven would not venture to do otherwise she is the right person to break it to me gently i bore it for six weeks then fled down here well knowing that not even the dear delight of bullying me would bring mamma to shenston in the autumn the doctor's face was grave for a moment he looked silently into the fire he was a man of many ideals and foremost among them was his ideal of the relation which should be between parents and children of the loyalty to a mother which even if forced to admit faults or failings should tenderly shield them from the knowledge or criticism of outsiders 
it hurt him as a sacrilege to hear a daughter speak thus of her mother yet he knew well from facts which were common knowledge how little cause the sweet lovable woman at his side had to consider the tie either a sacred or a tender one he had come to help not to find fault also the minute hand was hastening towards the hour and the final instructions of the kind-hearted old duchess of meldrum as she parted from him at the war office had been remember six o'clock from london i shall insist upon its being kept back until then if they make difficulties i shall camp in the entrance and hold up every messenger who attempts to pass out but i am accustomed to have my own way with these good people i should not hesitate to ring up buckingham palace if necessary as they very well know so you may rest assured it will not leave london until six o'clock it gives you ample time therefore the doctor said i understand it does not come within my own experience yet i think i understand but tell me lady ingleby if bad news were to come would you sooner receive it direct from the war office in the terribly crude wording which cannot be avoided in those telegrams or would you rather that a friend other than your mother broke it to you more gently myra's eyes flashed she sat up with instant animation oh i would receive it direct she said it would be far less hard if it were official i should hear the roll of the drums and see the wave of the flag for england and for honour a soldier's daughter and a soldier's wife should be able to stand up to anything if they had to tell me michael was in great danger i should share his danger in receiving the news without flinching if he were wounded as i read the telegram i should receive a wound myself and try to be as brave as he all which came direct from the war would unite me to michael but interfering friends however well-meaning would come between if he had not been shielded from a bullet or a sword thrust why should i be shielded from the knowledge of his wound the doctor screened his face with his hand i see he said the clock struck six but that was not the only reason i left town continued lady ingleby with evident effort then she flung out both hands towards him oh doctor i wonder if i might tell you a thing which has been a burden on my heart and life for years there followed a tense moment of silence but the doctor was used to such moments and could usually determine during the silence whether the confidence should be allowed or avoided he turned and looked steadily at the lovely wistful face it was the face of an exceedingly beautiful woman nearing thirty but the lovely eyes still held the clear candour of the eyes of a little child the sweet lips quivered with quickly felt emotion the low brow showed no trace of shame or sin the doctor knew he was in the presence of one of the most popular hostesses one of the most admired women in the kingdom yet his keen professional insight revealed to him an arrested development possibilities unfulfilled a problem of inadequacy and consequent disappointment to which he had not the key but those outstretched hands eagerly held it towards him could he bring help if he accepted a knowledge of the solution or did help come too late dear lady ingleby he said quietly tell me anything you like that is to say anything which you feel assured lord ingleby would allow disgust with a third person myra leaned back among the cushions and laughed a gay little laugh half of amusement half of relief oh michael would not mind she said anything michael would mind i have always told straight to himself and they were silly little things such as foolish people trying to make love to me 
or a foreign prince with moustaches like the german emperors offering to shoot michael if i would promise to marry him when his period of consequent imprisonment was over i cut the idiots who had presumed to make love to me ever after and assured the foreign prince i should undoubtedly kill him myself if he hurt a hair of michael's head no dear doctor my life is clear of all that sort of complication my trouble is a harder one involving one's whole life problem and that problem is incompetence and inadequacy not towards the world i should not care a rap for that but towards the one to whom i owe most towards michael my husband the doctor moved uneasily in his chair and glanced at the clock oh hush he said do not no cried myra you must not stop me let me at last have the relief of speech my friend i am twenty-eight i have had ten years of married life yet i do not believe i have ever really grown up in heart and brain i am an undeveloped child and i know it and worse still michael knows it and michael does not mind listen it dates back to years ago mamma never allowed any of her daughters to grow up we were permitted no individuality of our own no opinions no independence all that was required of us was to do her behests and follow in her train forgive the misquotation we were always children in mamma's eyes we grew tall we grew good-looking but we never grew up we remained children to be snubbed domineered over and bullied my sisters who were good children had plenty of jam and cake and eventually husbands after mamma's own heart were found for them perhaps you know how those marriages have turned out lady ingleby paused and the doctor made an almost imperceptible sign of assent one of the ladies in question a most unhappy woman was under treatment in his mental sanatorium at that very moment but he doubted whether lady ingleby knew it i was the black sheep continued myra finding no remark forthcoming nothing i did was ever right everything i did was always wrong when michael met me i was nearly eighteen the height i am now but in the nursery as regards mental development or knowledge of the world and as regards character a most unhappy utterly reckless little child michael's love when at last i realized it was wonderful to me tenderness appreciation consideration were experiences so novel that they would have turned my head had not the elation they produced been counterbalanced by a gratitude which was overwhelming and a terror of being handed back to mamma which would have made me agree to anything years later michael told me that what first attracted me to him was a look in my eyes just like the look in those of a favourite spaniel of his who was always in trouble with every one else and had just been accidentally shot by a keeper michael told me this himself and really thought i should be pleased somehow it gave me the key to my standing with him just that of a very tenderly loved pet dog no words can say how good he has always been to me if i lost him i should lose my all everything which makes home home and life a safe and certain thing but if he lost little peter it would be a more real loss to him than if he lost me because peter is more intelligent for his size and really more of an actual companion to michael than i am many a time when he has passed through my room on the way to his with peter tucked securely under his arm and saying good-night my dear to me has gone in and shut the door i have felt i could slay little peter because he had the better place 
and because he looked at me through his curls as he was carried away as if to say you are out of it yet i knew i had all i deserved and michael's kindness and goodness and patience were beyond words only only ah can you understand i would sooner he had found fault and scolded i would sooner have been shaken and called a fool than smiled at and left alone i was in the nursery when he married me i have been in the schoolroom ever since trying to learn life's lessons alone without a teacher nothing has helped me to grow up michael has always told me i am perfect and everything i do is perfect and he does not want me different but i have never really shared his life and interests if i make idiotic mistakes he does not correct me i have to find them out when i repeat them before others when i made that silly blunder about the brazen serpent you so kindly put me right michael would have smiled and let it pass as not worth correcting then i should have repeated it before a room full of people and wondered why they looked amused ah but what do i care for people or the world it is my true place beside michael i want to win i want to grow up unto him in all things yes i know that is a text i am famous for misquotations or rather misapplications but it expresses my meaning as the duchess remarks when she has said something mild under provocation and her parrot swears and now tell me dear wise kind doctor you who have been the lifelong friend of that grand creature jane dalmaine you who have done so much for dozens of women i know tell me how i can cease to be inadequate towards my husband the passionate flow of words ceased suddenly lady ingleby leaned back against the cushions peter sighed in his sleep a clock in the hall chimed the quarter after six the doctor looked steadily into the fire he seemed to find speech difficult at last he said in a voice which shook slightly dear lady ingleby he did not he does not think you so no no she cried sitting forward again he thinks of me nothing but what is kind and right but he never expected me to be more than a nice affectionate good-looking dog and i i have not known how to be better than his expectations but although he is so patient he sometimes grows unutterably tired of being with me all other pet creatures are dumb but i love talking and i constantly say silly things which do not sound silly until i have said them he goes off to norway fishing to the engadine mountain climbing to this horrid war risking his precious life anywhere to get away alone anywhere to hush said the doctor and laid a firm brown hand for a moment on the white fluttering fingers you are overwrought by the suspense of these past weeks you know perfectly well that lord ingleby volunteered for this border war because he was so keen on experimenting with his new explosives and on trying these ideas for using electricity in modern warfare at which he has worked so long oh yes i know said myra smiling wistfully tiresome things which keep him hours in his laboratory and he has some very clever plan for long-distance signalling from fort to fort hieroglyphics in the sky isn't it you know what i mean but the fact that he volunteered into all this danger merely to do experimenting makes it harder to bear than if he had been at the head of his old regiment and gone at the imperative call of duty however nothing matters so long as he comes home safely and now you you sir derrick 
must help me to become a real helpmeet to michael tell me how you helped oh very well we will not mention names but give me wise advice give me hope give me courage make me strong the doctor looked at the clock and even as he looked the chimes in the hall rang out the half-hour you have not yet told me he said speaking very slowly as if listening for some other sound you have not yet told me your second reason for leaving town ah said lady ingleby and her voice held a deeper older tone a note bordering on tragedy ah i left town sir derrick because other people were teaching me love lessons and i did not want to learn them apart from michael i stayed with jane dalmain and her blind husband before they went back to Gleniche. you remember they were in town for the production of his symphony i saw that ideal wedded life and i realized something of what a perfect mating of souls could mean and then well there were others people who did not understand how holy i am michael's nothing actually wrong but not so fresh and youthful as billy's innocent adoration and i feared i should accidentally learn what only michael must teach therefore i fled away oh doctor if i ever learned from another man that which i have failed to learn from my own husband i should lie at michael's feet and implore him to kill me the doctor looked up at the portrait over the mantelpiece the calm passionless face smiled blandly at the tiny dog one sensitive hand white and delicate as a woman's was raised forefinger uplifted gently holding the attention of the little animal's eager eyes the magic skill of the artist supplied the doctor with the key to the problem a woman as mate as wife as part of himself was not a necessity in the life of this thinker inventor scholar saint he could appreciate dumb devotion he was capable of unlimited kindness leniency patience toleration but woman and dog alike remained outside the citadel of his inner self had not her eyes resembled those of a favourite spaniel he would very probably not have wedded the lovely woman who now during ten years had borne his name and even then he might not have done so had not the tyranny of her mother awakening his instinct of protection towards the weak and oppressed aroused in him a determination to withstand that tyranny and to carry her off triumphantly to freedom the longer the doctor looked the more persistently the picture said we too and where does she come in righteous wrath arose in the heart of derrick brand for his ideal as to man's worship of woman was a high one as he thought of the closed door of the lonely wife humbly jealous of a toy poodle yet blaming herself only for her loneliness his jaw set and his brow darkened and all the while he listened for a sound from the outer world which must soon come lady ingleby noticed his intent gaze and leaning forward also looked up at the picture the firelight shone on her lovely face and on the gleaming softness of her hair her lips parted in a tender smile a pure radiance shone from her eyes ah he is so good she said in all the years he has never once spoken harshly to me and see how lovingly he looks at peter who really is a most unattractive little dog did you ever hear the duchess's bon mot about michael he and i once stayed together at overdean but she did not ask us again until he was abroad fishing in norway so of course i went by myself the duchess always does those things frankly and explains them therefore on this occasion she said my dear i enjoy a visit from you 
but you must only come when you can come alone i will never undertake again to live up to your good michael it really was a case of saint michael and all angels he was saint michael and we had to be all angels wasn't it like the duchess and a beautiful testimony to michael's consistent goodness oh i wish you knew him better and for the matter of that i wish i knew him better but after all i am his wife nothing can rob me of that and don't you think when michael comes home this time somehow all will be different better than ever before the hall clock chimed three-quarters after the hour the clang of a bell resounded through the silent house peter sat up and barked once sharply the doctor rose and stood with his back to the fire facing the door myra's question remained unanswered hurried steps approached a footman entered with a telegram for lady ingleby she took it with calm fingers and without the usual sinking of the heart from sudden apprehension her mind was full of the conversation of the moment and the doctor's presence made her feel so strong and safe so sure of no approach of evil tidings she did not hear sir derrick's quiet voice say to the man you need not wait as the door closed the doctor turned away and stood looking into the fire the room was very still lady ingleby opened her telegram unfolded it slowly and read it through twice afterwards she sat on in such absolute silence that at length the doctor turned and looked at her she met his eyes quietly sir derrick she said it is from the war office they tell me michael has been killed do you think it is true she handed him the telegram taking it from her he read it in silence then dear lady ingleby he said very gently i fear there is no doubt he has given his life for his country you will be as brave in giving him as he would wish his wife to be myra smiled but the doctor saw her face slowly whiten yes she said oh yes i will not fail him i will be adequate at last then as if a sudden thought had struck her did you know of this is it why you came yes said the doctor slowly the duchess sent me she was at the war office this morning when the news came in inquiring for ronald ingram who has been wounded and is down with fever she telephoned for me and insisted on the telegram being kept back until six o'clock this evening in order to give me time to get here and to break the news to you first if it seemed well myra gazed at him wide-eyed and you let me say all that about michael and myself dear lady said the doctor and few had ever heard that deep firm voice so nearly tremulous i could not stop you but you did not say one word which was not absolutely loving and loyal how could i have queried myra her face growing whiter and her eyes wider and more bright i have never had a thought which was not loyal and loving i know said the doctor poor brave heart i know myra took up the telegram and read it again killed she said killed i wish i knew how the duchess is ready to come to you immediately if you would like to have her suggested the doctor no said myra smiling vaguely no i think not not unless dear mamma comes if that happens we must wire for the duchess because now now michael is away she is the only person who can cope with mamma 
but please not otherwise because well you see she said she could not live up to michael and it does not sound funny now is there anybody you would wish sent for at once inquired the doctor wondering how much larger and brighter those big grey eyes could grow and whether any living face had ever been so absolutely colourless anybody i should wish sent for at once i don't know oh yes there is one person if she could come jane you know jane dalmain i always say she is like the base of a tune so solid and satisfactory and beneath one nothing very bad could happen if jane were there but of course this has happened hasn't it the doctor sat down i wired to gleneesh this morning he said jane will be here early to-morrow then lots of people knew before i did said lady ingleby the doctor did not answer she rose and stood looking down into the fire her tall graceful figure drawn up to its full height her back to the doctor whose watchful eyes never left her for an instant suddenly she looked across to lord ingleby's chair and i believe peter knew she said in a loud high-pitched voice good heavens peter knew and refused his food because michael was dead and i said he had dyspepsia michael oh michael your wife didn't know you were dead but your dog knew oh michael michael little peter knew she lifted her arms toward the picture of the big man and the tiny dog then she swayed backward the doctor caught her as she fell End of chapter three